Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'm Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. This might be a difficult question to answer, Samantha, but uh, do you remember when you learned kind of about the spectrum of what sexual identity and gender identity and queerness, that it was more than, you know, gay or straight? Right. Oh, that is a really good question. I think I've known of it since I've known about sex, essentially, but it's always been a joke. So we see things as jokes, you know, on movies or like if it's a badly placed, childish, really offensive type of joke being told in uh, middle school, Mm -hmm. that type of way. So I remember like the first thing I knew about Mormonism, which is not necessarily true at all, is polyamorous. Like they they have more than one wife, um, which is not the same indications of what we're talking about when it comes to polyamory. We know that. But because I was a child growing up in the mountains and not understanding it, I knew that existed. I mm-hmm. knew transgender existed. What did I think about it? Again, it became a punchline because it was so inappropriate. And I grew up in a very homophobic, mm-hmm. backwards, backwoods type of home and town that that's how I knew of it. So mm-hmm. I say I knew of what it was felt and was told that it was either a punchline or sin. And then I didn't understand the truth of it, honestly, until probably, when I say truth of it, the realities and that these are people and they have this whole underlying of what these things are and or how you may identify and why you might identify literally until probably not until high school when I met people from very young age knowing who they were and they've always identified this way, that this, this is how they were born. And realizing, mm-hmm. oh, this is part of their, like, not just identity, but who they are. Just like as I am identifying as a heterosexual, that I've never necessarily found attraction to any other gender. That has never been a thing for me until like, oh. But if you look at the spectrum of it and the reality of it and the complications of what love truly means. hmm that I don't think I really understood it until I started to kind of grasp in high school and then into my formative years of even learning the fine uh, details, not even the details, but the the depth of it, even to our episode of uh, sexuality and being called out and being like, oh, you don't understand quite as much as you think you do. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So I think if, uh, the very long-winded answer is I'm still learning. <laughs> That is a good answer. <laughs> so I think uh, I think a lot of us are. And I think as a society, we are. Right. I, I've told my story before. Like, I remember learning what bisexual was. And I was in middle school. It was X-Files-based realization. But beyond that, it was really working on this show that I learned about other, like, asexual or transgender. And I, th- I think there were things that kind of like you, I knew. But I right. didn't necessarily know the terminology or much more about it beyond that. Right. And I I remember specifically when I learned asexual, I was outside of college. I was working on this show, but somebody, my little brother said he was dating someone and she said she was asexual and somebody responded jokingly, that means she just doesn't want to have sex with you. Right. And that was one of the first like entries I had at, at that term of, yeah, people being really dismissive of it and doubting that it was real. And I've learned so much being on this show 
Uh, and as you listeners know, it's kind of been a couple of years for me where I'm figuring out how I identify. And and I remember with some, I love it. Some of you listeners wrote in and it's like, I, it sounds like you're asexual, but biromantic. And somebody sent me all these like terms, like 17 right. terms, like demisexual. I never heard of it before. And it right. was, I was looking it all up like, right. oh, wow. And <laughs> how validating it felt and how kind of a relief. It was like, oh yeah, there is all of this and you can, it is a spectrum and it is fluid and just feeling so relieved at that knowledge that I think I had always known. I just didn't have the terminology or the kind of community behind it. So thank you, listeners, for being supportive. I love it. Yeah, I've loved it too. And I'm still working through things. And I, I agree with the listeners who have written in and said pandemic has been an interesting time for having those questions about gender identity and sexual identity. And also, just because I have to, I, I've learned a lot through fan fiction. I will say, the fan fiction recently has gotten real open about all these different like labels or not having labels and just huge variety that wasn't there when I was reading fan fiction. So I'm very happy to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Learning new things through fan fiction. Yes, sometimes good, sometimes not. But um, (laughs) because it is Pride Month, we did want to bring back this episode on the ABCs of being asexual. So please enjoy. Hey, this is Annie. Hey, I'm Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. So we're kind of doing one of our, we we love an arc around here, like a mini series. And we're doing one on sexuality. Boom. Yes. And lately, y'all know that I've been struggling to nail down my sexuality, which is really fun as a 30-year-old woman, I got to (laughs) say. And uh, specifically whether or not I'm asexual. And um, it's, it's funny because the peek behind the curtains... We recorded this interview that we're about to play for you about asexuality the same day we did an interview <laughs> about bondage and, and BDSM. Yes. I mean, so, that goes hand in hand, yeah? Yeah. Well, Come it's all now. part of this arc. It is. It is. To talk about this, we brought in Adjua Danzo, who has written about her experience of being an ace, as it's often shortened to, in Teen Vogue. And she also works on a podcast called About South Podcast that you should all totally check out. So let's get right into it. So I am Ajwa Danso, also known as Ajoa Danso. Um, that's a nickname with a storied history. And um, I have a background in journalistic writing. Born and raised in Atlanta, previously worked at Creative Loafing, and I currently work at Care USA, not the uh, nannying and home care site, but the uh, the inventor of the care package that currently works to eradicate global poverty by empowering women and girls. Um, I'm on the social media team there. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Um, and I, a couple months ago, we had a friend of mine, Sanavashi, on to talk about um, Asian American right. identity. And afterwards, I picked her brain of like, who should I talk to in Atlanta? And she recommended you for... Um, 
couple things, actually, because she said uh, you have very funny takes on pop culture, which I'm intrigued. Which I have a lot of opinions. I think uh, you and I could banter really well. This could be fun. Yeah. But I won't won't put that there now. But I'm just saying that as a future episode. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Pop culture banter, always welcome. But also um, asexuality. Which is you? You wrote a piece for Teen Vogue about your your experience. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am asexual, and that does not mean that I recreate or procreate with myself. Um, <laughs> that would be amazing. That is a popular misconception. Know. Yes. Um, basically, asexuals exist outside the standard spectrum of sexuality and sexual attraction. So we are all taught that, like, you are sexually attracted to people and, like, that's what you do. Um, And I basically had a light bulb moment where I was like, wait, what you guys experience and what I experience are not the same thing at all. And it sent me into a Google spiral. I think I was, like, 23 when I found out. So I was like, wait, no, how did I miss this? (laughs) Um, I actually had an asexual friend when I was a teenager and it did not click at all that um, she and I had more in common than other people that I was friends with. And um, basically, there are a lot of people in the world who will just look at another person and know that they want to have sex with that person. Maybe after a conversation, they know. Maybe they, like, see them at the coffee shop every day and they know. That's not me. I don't feel comfortable saying that I've ever had sexual attraction toward someone in the way that the majority of people do. Right. Um, So, like, even when you, like, watch TV shows and stuff and you're like, man, they started having sex, like, really fast. (laughs) Like, Derek and Meredith on Grey's Anatomy, One Night Stands, I was like, I don't understand how you just, like, have sex with somebody. Like, you don't have, like, questions about them first. (laughs) Um, I'm... That is not my experience. And um, while there are asexuals who do have things that line up with the norm or varied experiences across the spectrum, the gist is that there are what I call sexual people and then there are people who don't experience it in the same way. And I am under that umbrella. Um, Would you mind expounding more on that, that light bulb moment? trying to remember exactly what the moment was. Um, It was kind of a series of conversations, but one in particular was with uh, one of my old roommates in college where we would just, like, be up at night talking about, like, relationships and stuff like that. You know, like, when you're, like, an ambitious young black woman and there are, like, no people who match your vibe, you're just kind of like, oh, it'll come later, right? And then I graduated And uh, she still lived in the dorm, and she sent me a photo of the LGBTQ History Month board and the definition of asexuality on that board and was like, you might be asexual, LOL. And I was like, come on, I know what asexuality is. Like, that's not me. And then I read the definitions, and I was like, oh, (laughs) that is me. Um, And so I started Googling, and, like, things just started clicking and making sense. And the best analogy that I have for, like, that moment is— the spoiler alert episode of How I Met Your Mother when Ted's dating a woman who ends up being, like, a huge talker. And (laughs) at the end, uh, she's dating a deaf guy who doesn't notice that she talks a whole lot. But throughout the episode, each person in the group, like, realizes something about somebody else in the group, and it's, like, glass-shattering plays above their head. And that's, like, what it felt like for me. I was like, no, like, the world is crashing. Like, how how did I get this far in my life? 
and never um, have this kind of knowledge, especially because I've uh, my primary identity, primary in quotation marks, um, I'm black. You can like see it like really clearly. So <laughs> I guess that's the primary. Um, is being queer. Like I identified as bisexual for several years. I still kind of do depending on the day. And um, I was just kind of like shocked that like somebody is like in tune and like knowledgeable and conscious and like paying attention as I am did not know this thing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of alluded to it in our communications, but as I have done right. this podcast, I've had a similar realization. It's, it's so fun to be researching something. Um, and I say fun, not sarcastically, but also, uh, I don't know if that's the best word, but to be researching something and to be like, huh, oh, maybe that right. describes me. Um, and so listeners have had the fun time of being with right. me on this journey of, <laughs> is Annie asexual? <laughs> I mean, and let's just have that conversation is, why do you feel like this is something that, or A, does it feel like it kind of was a relief to understand yourself a little more in that way? Yeah, it definitely flipped my world upside down, but it was a huge relief. Um, before I learned what asexuality is and that it fit for me, I was, like, really concerned. I was like, is there something wrong with me? Am I, like, repressing some childhood sexual trauma? Like, is there, like, a reason for why I haven't um, been on the same, like, wavelength as my peers in terms of relationships and stuff like that? Um, and then finding out I was asexual, I was like, oh, cool, there's my answer. Um, but at the same time, there is the part that's, like, still kind of unknown. There are a lot of people who don't believe in asexuality or don't think that they would even be willing to be in a relationship with an asexual person. And uh, those are the kinds of things where, like, don't read the comments is, like, really real because you know what you're going to get in the comments. They're, like, after, like, three or four different comment sections, you're like, okay, there's clearly a like line of thought that's connecting all of these things and it does not serve me. So I should probably just not look at it. Um, but I speak in metaphor. So I have a metaphor for this, of course. And I've thought about it <laughs> a lot. Like the metaphor that I'm giving here is not the same one that's in my Teen Vogue piece. It is not the same one that was in the first draft, but just bear with me. So I'm a huge Top Chef fan and Richard Blaze of Top yes. Chef. Yes. Uh, he opened Flip Burger in Atlanta and had wanted to go for years. And watching the show, everybody always, like, did, like, their tartars, like, steak tartare. Right. And he had a steak tartare burger on the menu. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to go for my birthday. And I want the steak tartare burger. And I get there, and I take a bite, and it makes me nauseated immediately. Oh. And I was like, no, I can't enjoy this food that I've always wanted to enjoy. That is my worst-case scenario, basically. <laughs> so it's yet to be determined, but... Um, yeah, I can't imagine, like, I consider myself a very, like, sex-positive person. I'm, like, uh, pro, like, female orgasm, pro, like, sex toys, whatever you need. Very anti, like, uh, what is it they say? Uh, parts, not hearts. I feel like that's, I don't subscribe to parts over hearts. Um <laughs> And so wait, I feel like, could, wait, wait, I need someone to explain that to me. What is this? <laughs> I was trying to pretend like that was going to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, but I'm like, what, to play what? Like what is parts, not hearts? I've not heard this. So it's basically a way of saying, uh, don't be transphobic in your selection of gotcha. a partner. Okay. Like, 
just because you meet a woman who has a penis or a man who has a vagina does not mean that, like, you guys cannot still find sexual satisfaction and enjoyment with one another. That makes more sense. I'm not going to lie. I've never heard that expression. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, like— feel like this very sex-positive person. I tell people, like, in my mind, I could be Samantha from Sex and the City, but in reality, I'm, like, the opposite. Um, <laughs> and so I hope that, like, there will be a world in which people, like, understand what asexuality is and that, like, there is... Uh, as much as no means no, which it does, there is flexibility among asexual people. So there are asexuals who form a sexual attraction once they've formed a romantic attraction or once they've formed an emotional attraction. There are some people who will be, like, asexual for years and then um, just aren't. There are asexual people who are sex-averse and some who are like, I don't really get the deal with sex, but I do it anyway. Um, Actually, Lane Kim from Gilmore Girls is uh, potentially an ace icon. It is not—it's not canon, I don't think, but— she famously, like, waits to have sex because she's been, like, brought up in strong Christian beliefs and is, like, basically terrified of what would happen if her mom caught her having sex. And so she gets married and has sex on the honeymoon, and she comes back, and she's like, yeah, I don't know what you guys were talking about. Like, that was kind of, like, really awful. Like, you guys were clearly—this was all a conspiracy to keep me from having sex. Everybody, like, <laughs> talking about how great it was. Um, And I don't know that— There are many other ace icons like that. But the caveat with Lane is that um, you're not necessarily sex-averse if you are asexual. Right. And the other split there uh, that was, like, mind-blowing for me is that there are uh, people who are romantically attracted and people who are sexually attracted. Right. And I was kind of like, oh, we're taught that, like, we're basically uh, socialized that all girls are romantically attracted to every person they have sex with, and that's why, like— you shouldn't have sex because he'll break your heart and right, leave you. Exactly. Right. But everyone experiences romantic attraction and sexual attraction or exists on that spectrum. There are people who don't experience romantic attraction or sexual attraction. There are some who have one but not the other. Um, I like to think of the people who find romantic long-term relationships with the opposite sex even though they are homosexual or... Well, I guess that's the only other option, really. Um, but, like, those old episodes of Oprah where she's like, how could you be with this woman for 45 years if you're gay? And it's like, well, maybe he was romantically attracted to her right. or even just platonically attracted to her right. and not sexually attracted to her or vice versa or none of the above. Like, this has really just turned everything upside down because I'm like, everything applies everywhere and right. nothing means everything. One thing I loved about your your piece in Teen Vogue is um, you were talking about uh, the questions you get and then kind of for yourself still working through what, like, someone would ask you something and then you have to kind of think about it. Like, oh, yeah, what does that mean? Um, can you talk more about what your experience has been around that and maybe some uh, questions you get frequently and uh, misconceptions, things like that? Yeah, the number one misconception I would say is that uh, asexuals are sex-averse and just, like, not interested in sex in any capacity. 
which, like, I'm a picture of, like, it not being true. Like, worst case scenario is that, like, in five years, I'm like, oh, no, that asexuality thing was totally just, like, a blip. Like, it didn't <laughs> even happen. Um, but, no, I feel very strongly that um, what is true today may not be true in 10 years and that I can still identify as asexual the whole time. But um, people do often ask, uh, like, just basically, like, how does that work or, like, why is it like that? It's almost like I'm a little bit of a science experiment to other people and to myself. And I really only learn about myself through talking to other people because, like, everything for me is normal until I say it out loud. Um, one thing that I did mention in the piece was uh, sexual fantasies and how, like, like, wait, that's, like, a thing that everybody does, yeah? But um, mine aren't, like, everybody else's. Like, for me, it's very weird and uncomfortable to fantasize about, like, a real person I've met and know. I'm like, wait, isn't that, like, a violation of, like, their privacy and comfort? <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like I need, like, consent to <laughs> fantasize about you. And then also um, fantasizing about somebody and, like, seeing them and looking them in the face the next day. Like, isn't that weird? Like, somebody's going to have to... Uh, your listener should, like, let me know. I, like, yes, please share all of your sexual fantasy. Yes, please. Flood the inbox. <laughs> um, I think uh, other people kind of want to know, like, how does asexuality fit with the rest of, like, the queer alphabet? Like, can you be asexual and gay and asexual and straight and asexual and, like, attracted to different genders? And the answer is yes. Um, they exist in parallel with each other. So, like, how somebody... You can be asexual and trans and homosexual all at the same time. Um, there's no... I mean, I've, I really want to, like, talk to, like, a straight asexual guy because I have no idea, like, what that experience would be like. And I just wonder how, like, they're socialized versus me. That would be an interesting, because I know there's many a times where I've had conversations with people about um, heterosexual men, and they're not sexual. And you start questioning, well, they're just gay. Like, the automatic assumption is they're gay. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of moments I'm like, I think they're actually asexual. I think there may be a whole different concept to this. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I don't know if I know many or if in any instances where I've heard a heterosexual man say, I'm asexual. The and only ones that, like, I, the one that, like, comes to mind immediately is uh, Jim Parsons' character on Big Bang Theory. But he's like, oh, he's asexual because he's, like, on the autism spectrum and, like, super intelligent. Like, that's what an ace guy looks like. And it's like, no, uh, I am not particularly, like, gifted in the maths and sciences. Hey. And I find myself to be, like, uh, I'm better in social situations than Sheldon is. Um, <laughs> but I, like, I'm still asexual. Like, it's not like it's right. um, a symptom of something right. or, like, right. a sign of, like, a larger mental issue. Right. It mm -hmm. just kind of is. It is. Asexuality has, um, the research of it has roots in, like, female sexual dysfunction. Right. Um, there's this fantastic and infuriating documentary called Orgasm Inc. that I watched not long after I realized it was asexual, and I just kept making my roommate pause it, like, wait, but all these things are wrong. Like, don't they know that there are other ways to answer these questions and solve these problems? Right. Um, and the doctor I spoke to for my Teen Vogue piece, Lori Brado, like, she said that, like, that's where it came from, was just, like, not knowing how to really place people's different sexual preferences and non-preferences and so it was like, let's just study and see if there's something wrong with them. And basically it was like, 
Maybe these people just aren't experiencing things the way that we're expecting them to. Yeah. Are you okay, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's the question. So, asexuality began with an, with an idea like that you're dysfunctional, so therefore you're asexual. If you can't have a normal reaction to sex, meaning you're not actually um, pleasured and or, uh, what is the word, when you're aroused. You're not actually aroused. So, therefore, you're asexual, therefore, there's something that's like not functional about you. Is that the context that yeah. it was originated? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, and I was researching earlier today kind of uh, some common misconceptions because um, it's estimated that um, asexual people or, you know, aces as uh, they sometimes call themselves as 1% of a population. Um, and it's also sometimes called the invisible orientation and um, some of the misconceptions I found, one, um, it's not like being in a Petri dish or how Godzilla procreates. Uh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, because Godzilla procreates asexually. <laughs> um, another common misconception is it's not an abstinence pledge, um, which I made this mistake in college because... I don't know where I was, but uh, they were doing this thing like how many people are abstinent. And I just stood up in a panic, like, ah, me. <laughs> later I was like, oh, no, no, not me. <laughs> this isn't my choice. I just don't want sex. Right. Like, it's different than, like, making an abstinence pledge. Uh, I'm sorry, keep going. Uh, not a synonym <laughs> for celibacy. Not a disorder, um, not a fear of sex or relationships. You can date, fall in love, get married, have kids, masturbate, fantasize, orgasm, all those things. It's not caused by a chemical or hormonal imbalance. Um, it's not a choice. It's an orientation. Um, and then as some listeners have written in about this since I mentioned that I was, you know, wrestling with, is this me? Um, the whole idea of corrective rape. Just no. Doesn't work. Corrective rape. Rape is bad. Oh, it's like you you would like sex if you had it, even if you don't want it. Oh, so like when guys are like, I'm going to make you straight yeah. from being a lesbian similar. by raping yeah. you? Oh, okay, okay. Very That's similar. abhorrent and disgusting in itself. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. Yep. And yes. you are the worst if you think that in the statement. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, I mean, are these, are these things that you have encountered or um, that you had to think about? When you were sort of coming to terms with this, ah, uh, this is what I'm asexual. Less in coming to terms with it and more in talking to other people. Because, yeah. like, I was in my mid-20s or mm -hmm. early 20s, I guess, um, when I found out. So it was like I kind of already knew myself in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I knew that I experienced sexual desire. I knew that, like, I wasn't celibate or abstinent, like, oh, no, sex, keep that away from me. Mm -hmm. It was more just like a thing that hadn't presented itself as an opportunity. And, um, well, I also knew I wasn't, like, seeking sex either. I used to think that it was, like, one of those, like, light bulb moments that would be, like, oh, when I, like, hit 25 or, like, when I graduate and I'm not, like, bogged down by school and, like, college students around me, then maybe the light bulb will turn on and I'll be ready to go. And then I found this out and I was like, okay, well, I guess it's just not in me to, right. for that uh, to happen. Although, you know, never know, could still happen. Right. But in, like, with other people, yeah, I feel like I'm educating people every time I bring it up. 
And it was kind of funny when uh, you invited me here. I was like, wait, but I already wrote about it. Why do people still have questions? And everybody just like Googling and finding my words and then like calling it a day. Um, But no, people definitely do not know uh, all of these misconceptions are not things that are real for ace people. Yeah. So have you had any of these conversations with uh, heterosexual men? Like, is that ever been a thing where they question and then it becomes a whole conversation? No, um, but that's mostly because I don't really, like, find myself around heterosexual men a whole lot. That's fair. That's fair. Um, With, like, friends and stuff, people will, like, have their questions, and I'm usually— it's, like, the most open part of me. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys, like, I just learned this cool thing. I need to, like, ask you about it so that I can understand it better. And so for probably, like, a year and a half there, like, everybody I met, I was, like, introducing myself and trying not to be like, and I'm asexual and I have questions. Let's talk about how you feel about sex. Uh, But it does influence the way I, like, look at the world where I'm, like, you know, like, when there's Derek and Meredith on Grey's Anatomy having sex again, I'm like, you guys, but, like, he's married and, like, I don't understand. Like, what do you see in each other? Or uh, this thing blew my mind. Like, people stay in relationships when the partnership sucks and when the sex sucks, I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Leave. Like, I cannot imagine, like, you are a sex-having person and you are choosing to, like, stay with the bad sex. Like, what? I I want that term, sex-having person, to be coined for you. (laughs) Sex-having persons. (laughs) That's a fantastic little word. Sex-having persons. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I just want that to be the statement. Can put that in the spectrum. We have some more to discuss with you listeners, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yeah, I mentioned recently on another podcast that um, for me when I was growing up, all my friends started to be attracted to people and talking about how much they wanted sex. And I would just be like, uh-huh, yeah, and trying to fit in. <laughs> it just never happened. It never happened. <laughs> <laughs> can I mean, relate, yeah. can relate. Like, for you, it's been the last couple of years that you've been able to, because you've tried to have relationships. I and have. you try to force that level of like, oh, relationships means intimacy. Intimacy is me desiring you as a sexual being. And I'm like, and you're like, I don't. I don't. Yeah, that, that's been a real, because we never see representation of asexuality. Like, I just assumed, um, and I've always identified as bisexual as well, but I just assumed. Like, eventually I would meet the person, and I would want to have sex with that person. Yeah. And it just never happened. And I thought, well, I, I've, honestly, I've gone through a lot of guilt because I cared about these people, and I thought with enough time, uh, I probably will want to have sex with you. And it just never happened. And in our society, I think, because we don't talk about this and because we don't see it, um, there is this, especially for women, obligation that you are going to give give sex. Like Like that's your duty. Exactly. And I felt horrible about it because I didn't want it. Did any of them make you feel bad? No. um, Well, some people did, but they— I. Dumped him. Yeah, but like, him. exactly. Right. But I did have um, a couple of relationships that were longer term and they never pressured me, but I still could sense it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and I, f- 
I felt bad because I knew they wanted it. And and I didn't know myself well enough to have been able to communicate that too. You know what I mean? Right. Like, So yeah, that is the other question. How do you communicate that with people today that you meet or maybe are interested in platonically and or just emotionally? How do you communicate, hey, I'm asexual. This is who I am. This is like, is it just a normal conversation? Is it the first thing you say? <laughs> like, what, how do you do this? Uh, so I actually had dinner with a friend and her friend, uh, a cis-hetero woman and a cis-hetero man. And we were talking about relationships and stuff. And I think the guy asked me, like, if I had ever dated or like, do I date or something? And I was like, oh, no, I don't do that. And my friend was like, but you have to give the backstory. <laughs> And so I was like, here's the backstory. I'm asexual, not interested. (laughs) Um, Usually I just say it like that. I'm like, usually nobody knows what it means, so I'm like gearing myself up to have to explain it. But it's just easier than being like, hey, so, you know. um, As far as relationships go, I've kind of deliberately stayed away from them because I don't know how to approach it. I'm like, do I say that like, like when I walk in and we're like we're sitting down together and I'm like, hey, hello, I'm asexual. And you are like, <laughs> like I feel like I need right. to have like a name tag on, right. put it on like my, uh, all my social media profiles, like just so you guys know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do I assume that like they've Googled me beforehand and then like saw it? I have no idea. Uh, that's, yeah, that's to be determined. Okay. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated or not. Again, like, that's not something that you would not want to do without in relationship. We're talking about, in general, just an, an emotional connection, uh, whether it's to go on dates or whether it's to have brunch with someone. Because sometimes for me, um, being new in any kind of relationships in general, I'm just like, man, I just want someone to go with me to brunch and just have yeah. a conversation with. And that's a relationship in itself, which would be nice. So I'm assuming that companionship. So how do you even approach that? And understanding your own sexuality and being good with what you are, but now you got to share it with someone as well. Yeah, I actually do have, um, I call them my uh, possibility models because one is bi and ace, but um, a demisexual, which is the type of asexuality where you gain sexual attraction after um, emotional attraction. Right. And she is with a lesbian who she described as very much not asexual. And I'm kind of like, well, you guys are, like, living the life. You've got, like, your house and your four cats. And I, like, I really want to be just like you guys. Um, so I think it's possible. But at the same time, that was that relationship came out of, like, a long-term friendship. And so I'm kind of, like, looking more for my friends to, like, set me up with people they know. Because, like, the idea of, like, swiping and, like, Oh, it's ugly. Uh, it just feels awful, especially when, like, everybody's like, oh, get on Tinder. And I'm like, isn't that the one that people go to explicitly for sex? Like, why are you telling me? To get <laughs> right. it? Like, that feels like false advertising. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just um, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that reminds me of, um, have you seen BoJack Horseman? I haven't, but I heard there's a really great asexual there's character an, on there. Yeah, asexual character. And uh, in the last season, the most recent season, they, like, develop an app for aces to meet other aces. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, product idea. Yeah. Uh, let's do this, y'all. Here we go. Start a business together. Yes. Isn't, like, aren't the people with that skill set, like, in this building? Like, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. One of our producers. <laughs> just the, the podcast goes silent. <laughs> <laughs> and all of this has become an app. Yes. <laughs> um, so you mentioned demisexual. I, I wonder if you could 
um, off the top of your head, and if not, that's totally cool. But uh, the other types of sexual asexuality. Um, so I believe that gray asexual, or I think gray sexual, because words, mm-hmm. yeah. um, is when you have sexual attraction sometimes. So those would be the people who are like, I guess, like your model asexual for everybody who is not asexual would be like, oh, no, sometimes you are interested in sex. It's not quite like the woman who, like, has migraines a lot or maybe she does have migraines a lot because she doesn't know how to, like, disappoint you by telling you that she does not want to have sex right. with you. And but, the sex with them um, is bad. Or the sex with you is bad. Stop having bad sex, you guys. Like, why Why are people <laughs> accepting this? Agreed. As somebody who's not doing it, don't waste <laughs> your time. Why are you doing bad sex? <laughs> That's the message of the podcast. And if you're bad podcast. at it, get better. <laughs> Next episode. Um, and then there is autocorosexual or egosexual, A-E-G-O, sexual, um, which is sexual attraction that's kind of like detached and that's kind of what I experience so like when I say don't fantasize about people I actually know it's also like not me in the fantasy either I don't know something about just feels like really weird and gross and personal right Mm -hmm. um so I guess it would be uh like when people read erotic fiction and they're like identifying with the characters but they're not like the character themselves. Right. It's kind of like that. It's really weird when you have one of those moments and then you see them in real life and you're like, oh, that is not how I pictured you. Now it just killed everything. No. That, no. No. That just happened to me. I'm totally, I'm totally, I'm following you. Um, <laughs> another, another pop culture reference. I don't know how many I have left before I've, <laughs> my card is full, but um, Angela Chase on My So-Called Life. Yes. She... I need to go back and rewatch the series to, like, determine for sure whether or not she counts as an ace icon. But she has a lot of thoughts about, like, making out. When she starts making out with Jordan Catalano, she's, like, amazed. She's, like, I can't believe that this is, like, a thing that we're doing. And, like, she's very focused on, like, it as part of her life versus everything else that's going on. And then there's this, like, great scene where she's talking about, like, uh, I can't believe people just, like, have sex. Like, they just, like do it with each other. Like, my teacher, like, he probably had sex yesterday, and, like, this other teacher also probably did. And, like, isn't that weird, though? We all just kind of, like, do it, and, like, that's just it? Right. (laughs) And I was like, yes, Angela, I'm with you. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) I connect. I connect with this. (laughs) Um, There there was, um, when I was looking into some research, I found the term queer platonic, uh, which is people who experience a type of non-romantic relationship where there is an intense emotional connection that goes beyond a traditional friendship. And when I read that, I was like, I have experienced that before. What's the What's the past a traditional friendship? Is that like... I think it's, for me, the way I interpreted it and the way that the relationship I'm connecting it to, people looked at us and said, you are in love. And I was like, we are not. Um but it was more than a friendship. Like, we just experienced such an intense connection, and there was never any possibility of sex. Neither of us. And I, I, am very, I have a very bad track record with this. Right. But I know this for sure in this relationship. Because <laughs> we discussed it. Also, he was gay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, that, that makes, that, that's the same question for me. And, like, what goes from beyond, oh, we were best friends, to queer platonic? I th- Because for me, um... Most of the time, I'm with a best friend. Me. 
Yes. You. Oh, no, not me. Uh, it, it's, it, <laughs> it doesn't have the same level of, like, emotional intensity. Mm-hmm. It it has, it, it does have an emotional intensity, but it's not, like, the same thing where people look at you and they're, like, I mean, people would tell me you are the same side of the coin. Like, you, you two are meant to be together. I'm like, no, we're not. Um, but I did experience it. Like, I felt... I imagine that's the closest I'm ever going to feel to what traditional love is um, in my lifetime. But I could be wrong. I think in this, in my example in particular, and this is obviously very personal to me, but it it was something where I could recognize, like, this is perhaps the chemical thing that people feel. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to date. Like, I didn't want sex. But I did feel that, like, I need to be with this person. I need to talk to this person like all the time, just right. all the time. And and he felt it too. And it was a very strong um, connection that we made. And actually, um, the story behind my tattoo, which I, would, I won't get into now, but it is quite the story. <laughs> um, so just when I read that, I felt I've had so many people from the outside look at that relationship and tell me you were in love. And I kept trying to express I wasn't, or at least not in the way that you mean it. Right. Um, but I can, I can understand, looking from the outside, I just, I knew the feeling myself. And I was very confident in, like, we might have loved each other, but we weren't in love. Right. If that makes sense. I'm going to have to go research queer platonic a little more. You should. Is this like a, like a will and grace? Oh, yeah. Are they Ooh. willing to have a baby together? Your, your pop culture card is filling up. I'm I with you it. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the will you have a baby with me, but we're not together together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Will and Grace in a long time, but I'll have to. I don't think I've ever watched more than two episodes. Mm-hmm. That's because growing up, I just never watched TV as much. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the era I didn't watch a lot of TV. I'm trying cool. to relate. I can't. <laughs> Now I know more. I will say that. But Will and Grace was not in my forte. I'm trying to think of when. what years were those. Deal with her. Like early 2000s to yeah. late 2000s. That was to me now. being religious. Yes. That yes. was me being religious. And I'm like, I'm not watching TV. All I watch you is Princess Bride. your religion. Princess Bride was my go-to. What? Princess Bride. Yeah. Um, okay. that fa- I almost got really disheartened with you when you were looking oh, at me no, no. with such I, I dismay just about Princess Bride. Okay. Now I got you. I okay. got you. All right. We're you. okay now. Okay. Good. We're okay. We have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Um, so I, I was looking at this <laughs> website where it was like, how to tell if you're asexual. And essentially, you don't experience sexual attraction. That's pretty good first question to ask. Um, would you have any advice for people who are maybe newly discovering that they're asexual or um, maybe questions they can ask themselves to find out if they are, if they think they might be. God, now I want to do, like, are you ace bingo or something. Ooh, that'd be awesome. I want to encourage that. I'm just going to say that. I'm like, please play games. I love games. (laughs) Keep going. Um, I would say definitely talk to the people around you, like your friends, about, like, when they're in relationships with people and how they feel about the person they're with versus how you feel. Because 
like I said, everything was normal until I found out it wasn't. And then I guess pay attention to, like, TV shows and how relationships are presented there and, like, the that feeling of, like, the natural progression of a relationship leading to sex. And are you kind of like, yeah, I buy this. Like, I totally, like, that's how I feel about the person I'm with. Or are you kind of like, I don't get why every relationship is, like, ending in sex. Can we just, like, watch people, like, hang out? Can we watch people be queerly platonic together? <laughs> yes. Um, that's the brand new sitcom, Queerly Platonic. That's going to be on the channel. <laughs> we are coming channel. up with the ideas in this episode. <laughs> Y'all. Queer bingo, Queerly Platonic. I mean, that is freaking amazing. Just put that out there. I, I, I have to say, it. like, I grew up in a very small town, and it was very conservative. And so I just wasn't exposed to a lot of different... And a lot of us aren't through media anyway, but I wasn't exposed to a lot of different relationships. And every time I see one, like, odd on BoJack Horseman, I'm, it's just the most amazing thing. Like, oh, this is so, I can't believe it took this long to see something like this. Um, do you have, since you are so into pop culture, and you've given several examples already, <laughs> but do you have any other uh, ace icons, of, as you've been calling them? Not really. I look for them everywhere, and then they have sex, and it's, like, not. <laughs> and it's, so. like, their whole life changes. Like, on Riverdale, Jughead um, was, I still can't figure out at what point he was declared asexual and if it was supposed to be, like, Jughead in the comics or Jughead in the show. But if he's supposed to be asexual in the show, they completely botched it because they've not addressed anything around sex and then his relationship with Betty. Sorry, spoilers, I guess. <laughs> um they are just like any other teen couple and have sex. And, like, for, like, an episode before and a few episodes after, I was just kind of, like, waiting for them to, like, address it, and nobody ever did. Um, yeah, most of—I actually, like, Googled to see, like, um, to, like, jog my memory and see if there was somebody I was missing. And Todd from BoJack Horseman was the only one who anybody could agree was, like, actually asexual and not, like, on the spectrum or otherwise, like, had other reasons for not being interested in sex or— uh, sex averse or just like somebody who never had sex like somebody put out there that Dumbledore is asexual and I was like come on you guys like that's not just not seeing somebody have sex is not asexual right. and if somebody were to be asexual and an icon it would be McGonagall like let's be real yes uh, and then you would say her and Dumbledore's relationship could be queerly platonic yes <gasps> it's all coming together uh, <laughs> we just did it and we have brought another Harry Potter reference you're yes. welcome, Annie. Once per episode, we try Once to do per it. Once per episode, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. So right now, I would say you two are ace icon. Ooh. Ooh. Uh -huh, oh, I feel uh -huh. very, like, I am so new to this. this but is I think, like, because like, you're asking the right questions and you're having this conversation and you're making it very clear as well as the fact that there's a spectrum. You two, in my humble opinion, Oh. Our ace icon. Well, thank you. <laughs> if I had an award for you, I'd give you one. Oh. So pretend like I did. Oh, thank you. So beautiful. Oh. Shiny award. It's so big. You. It's gold. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel... I mean, there's a lot to unpack in our media. Always we come back to that. Right. But just... Uh, I do think that um, every time man and woman are on screen together, they have to have sex eventually, and it's very right. unfortunate. Well, that's also, like, the sad part of any kind of friendships, the fact that 
opposite sex when they're together automatically going to have sex. Two lesbians can't be just friends. They're going to have sex as well. Or two uh, homosexual men, they're going to have sex as well, even though they may just be flipping friends. Yeah. Um, Everything has to do with sex, apparently. In our media, yes. But the fact is that having conversations like this to be able to um, go beyond generalizations as well as understanding that there are people that are seen. Like, that's the biggest part is can I be seen? And you two are those who are like, I see you because I am you. And that is a bigger part of the conversation that needs to happen, whether it's you writing an article in Teen Vogue, which is fantastic because that's such a big medium in itself, as well as doing podcasts specifically specifically two girls about, hey, it's okay. You're not just here for sex. And if you don't feel sexual attraction, that's okay too. Yeah, because that is another common misconception um, that people report feeling broken um, because they don't. Right. Because it is, um, like I said, when my friends all were experiencing it and I wasn't, I I thought something must be wrong. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's on the spectrum. It's something, and you can experience it in many different ways. Uh, mm-hmm. You can have romantic attraction. You can sometimes be attracted. Um, so I'm very glad that you you came on. You agreed to come on and talk to us. Yeah, yeah. I am open for all any and all asexuality questions because apparently there's nobody else out here <laughs> right taking them. So right, might as well put myself out. I mean, I've already put myself out there, right. but uh, <laughs> I'm still here. And then the other conversation is for people of color, myself included, we are so overly sexualized to be that person to be like, nope, nope, I'm good without it. I'm yeah. sure that's a whole different like shock factor for many of people in itself because I think as an Asian woman who there's a damn fetish for, <laughs> which is creepy <laughs> as hell, by the way, um, it is. It's hard to recognize separation of female specific race and sexuality and to separate that would be like cataclysmic for many men and their weird fantasy worlds their weird fantasy worlds uh, that, that's fantasies are not bad but yeah, I'm yeah. just saying like I've definitely had the weird people approach me I would apologize for them they should apologize <laughs> themselves true story but, true story and again having that conversation again Women are not just for sex, which is the opposite of what we're seeing. And the conversations in the world and around the world and the value of women in general, of people who identify as women or identify as female or even non-binary and being seen as female, we are able to make our own decisions of who we are and what we prefer, what we don't prefer. Yeah, or just be treated like humans who are what? born a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Yeah, ridiculous. Um, yeah, I we really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we close out? I don't think so, but uh, I'm really good for remembering stuff later. Like as I drive away, I'll probably think, God, that's what I should yeah. have said. Mm-hmm. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you have friends here outside of... <laughs> Now you have us as friends, but outside of us, so... Yes, I will have your bagels and your coffee anytime. Come hang. Tuesdays and Thursdays. (laughs) This is how I do things. I only come to eat food. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... That was the beginning of it. That's just intelligent. Um, But yeah, yeah. Anytime you want to come back, whether it's to talk about this or 
pop culture or whatever. And also, I would love to keep talking about care because I think they do some really good things and really necessary things, especially right now in the fight for um, against poverty and then just uh, equal representation. Yeah, if anybody wants to status. shoot a message to care on Twitter or Facebook, that'll be me replying back to you. So yeah. ask me how to donate. Or how Ask to get involved. How to donate. Yeah. And speaking of, um, where can people find you? And are there any projects you're working on that you're excited about on the horizon? Not currently working on anything um, because I left media and then just kind of like stayed gone but with like a toe in the door. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on getting the rest of my foot and body through back through the door. Um, but people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joa Danso, J-O-A-D-A-N-S-O, my last name. Um, people say I'm funny, so that's what's. I got that? an iPhone 10. I keep taking pictures of my cat, so if you want to see those, yeah. <laughs> so you're a cat person, eh? Absolutely. Oh, I'm a dog person. Sorry. Oh, here we go. I'm a neither. She person. doesn't like animals. Fish. Fish. Uh, I I don't mind. How about this? I'm just. Generally neutral. <laughs> animal neutral. I'm animal neutral. Um, but yes, pictures of cats on an iPhone 10 can't do better than that, right. everybody. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our interview. I have to tell you, all the time, I am so amazed and I feel so fortunate for the people who are willing to come in and right. talk to us. They're so awesome. She's so much fun. Yes, and hopefully she will be back. Oh, I'm pretty sure we're going to bring her back. She's too smart. we got to put her on everything. Let's just go ahead and put her on all the things. <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> if you want to hear more of Adjua's work, don't forget to check out her podcast about South Podcast. Um, but in the meantime, this brings us to the end of this episode. But we would love to hear from you listeners. If you would like to email us, you can... At our new email address. Ooh. It is stuff at iHeartRadio.com. And all, anything you send to the old email address, we have had so many email addresses. And if I had the time and my boss wouldn't yell at me, I would talk about the history of the email address. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure no one is interested in it but me. Um, but any of the old email addresses you email, it will eventually arrive at yeah, its final destination. Yeah, I can't even help you on that one. Sorry. Oh, it is a long and long and arduous tale. Huh? It is. Oh, it is. Uh, you can also find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You and on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 